Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked. It comes with shade. That's key. It comes with chair backs. It comes with all the food you can eat which Keith and I don't need, but that is one of the perks of it. But it's a really good experience, and many of you have been in there socially, maybe outside of a game, so you've seen the space. Some of you still haven't been in the space. You need to call and take a tour. The ability to watch the game from your chair, to go inside where it's cool, to get food, to get drink, to see people and and socialize to whatever degree, that's important to you. Dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall. You won't miss anything. Plus, you can look out the glass and see from from uh, the fourth floor. It, again, it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance. For your tickets, for a tour, for more information, 644-1830. Without further ado, Front Row Knowles, first look. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you. Florida State has a happy homecoming. 38-17 the final. Really, it was a pretty convincing, dominant win, although for about the first half of the first quarter, it didn't appear it was going to go that way, Keith. Well, certainly Florida State was not happy with the way that uh, Wake came out. 15-play uh, drive, I believe, that they did hold them to the field goal, but then on their third possession, they scored the touchdown. You look up, it's 10 to nothing, and uh, Wake's run 30 plays, 35 plays, whatever the count is, and Florida State's had two three-and-outs. You did begin to worry a little bit, but after those first three possessions, uh, Florida State's defense really uh, stopped in almost anything Wake wanted to do with the exception of that last touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, and uh, the offense started picking up some things. They were able to run the ball rather effectively. Um, uh, Francois threw for almost 350 yards, no sacks. Uh, it was a good all-round 60 minutes of ball, even though at uh, one point there in the first quarter you were a little bit concerned. We knew there were going to be a lot of possessions, uh, a lot of plays, a lot of opportunities. 104 plays for Wake Forest, 70 for FSU. Uh, That 104 for Wake Forest, though, 41 of them were in the first quarter, and then 63 the rest of the way. So Florida State did find an answer. They did, and I think a lot of it had to do, and uh, in listening to some of the comments the kids made after the game, I think a lot of it had to do is while you can replicate that and while your own offense is wanting to run that, until you're actually out there seeing it happen by someone that knows what they're doing, you're the back of your mind, you just don't really think it can happen. And after those first couple of three possessions, uh, Florida State, both their coaching staff and the players, are going, you know, this is for real. This is the way this works. And we've got to step up our, our focus, our intensity. And they did just that. Reminds me of Georgia Tech. In that, it you can simulate it in practice, but until you get out there and you're getting cut blocked, the difference is with Georgia Tech, instead of having a ton of possessions, you get about eight a game. And so if you're already down 14 zip, you're middle of the second quarter and you don't have many at-bats left. At least with Wake Forest, you know you're going to get 15 to 17 possessions given how fast they go. They're the fastest team in the country. Well, both teams had nine possessions in the first half. I didn't check the stats for the second period, but or second half rather, but you said all along it was going to be 17 or 18 and you, your math was pretty good. Florida State gets the win. Willie Taggart is happy. I think all things considered, and those things would be, you had a bye week after a gut-wrenching emotional loss 
to my, your rival that you should have defeated. And then you had a natural disaster that uh, personally and directly affected one player on the team and probably a lot more. There's other players from the panhandle. Uh, so all things uh, considered, I think you take this win, and, and, and it was another step forward. You know, one of the things that's interesting, you and I have talked about this a lot, Last year's hurricane that disrupted the game and forced Florida State to go 21 days without a contest, I think we're going to look back and see that that was a monumental thing that occurred. And all you got to do is look at Florida State's you know regular season six and six record. They did pull out a ball game. They went seven and six, and of course it led uh, not in of, of itself, but it was the year in which Jimbo left. I think you're going to look back on this hurricane, and despite the devastation of what went on. The way it set itself up, and Coach Taggart even talked about this with Gene Deckerhoff in his uh, pregame interview, the kids got to go home because school was out. So they got to spend three, in some cases four days, completely away from the university and completely away from the football team. And as a result, they, they really got to detach and decompress. Then they regrouped on Saturday, practice Saturday through Thursday, walk through on Friday, game on Saturday. Uh, it may have ended up being, you know, you hate to say it as a blessing with everyone else's struggling so, but within that narrow frame of context, it ended up being a pretty good schedule for Florida State, in my opinion. We'll talk more about him. We'll hear from him later on. But Janaris Robinson, who lost his house, as has been well chronicled, the house he grew up in, coming off five tackles against Miami, had six against Wake Forest, and is going to see extended time against Clemson because Joshua Kando will be out the first half due to that late targeting call. Very much so. And, uh, and J-Rob is someone that the coaching staff have been expecting things of and just hadn't quite gotten there. But I, I think uh, through the last couple of ball games, and maybe even because of seeing the devastation and how much he's been worried about his mom and actually been in PC, Panama City, helping his family, you know, that causes you to grow up a little bit, Tommy. That, not the way you want that lesson to be learned, uh, but certainly uh, it's something that uh, he can take away from. And don't be surprised if we don't look back on it and see it as being at least the Miami and the Wake Forest games as being the games when he really started to come to his own. Florida State gets the win. Willie Taggart obviously pleased afterwards. Wasn't too pleased with the start to the game. He called it lackadaisical, which it was, but uh, certainly pleased with the dominance. Florida State scored 38 straight points. Wake tacks on a meaningless touchdown late in the game as the rain was falling, but 38-17 the final. Let's listen to some of Coach Taggart's postgame press conference, courtesy of Seminoles.com. Well, um, good win for the Nose. Uh, my football team continue to get better. Um, it was uh, good to see our guys go out there and compete and get better in some of the areas that we, we needed to um, and improve in those areas and, and find a way to, to win a ball game. And uh, we were in the same position um, a few weeks ago and didn't finish. And um, our guys came out and, and finished this ball game today, and that was good. It was good for our football team and uh, good for us as we continue to move move forward. Well, we uh, we started slow and they did some good things there um, early and and then uh, once we settled down and, and started to get a little rhythm and got that first first down and things started to roll for us there. But uh, Wake Forest, I mean, a lot of teams they played typically they same things happen and start slow, but I got stayed with it and, and found a way to make plays and, and then we start rolling. If you got a question, please wait for the microphone. Go to Blake over here on the left. 
Coach, obviously after the first quarter, you guys were down 10 to 0, but from that point onward, you guys only surrendered seven points and less than 170 yards and only 11 first downs. So what really flipped the switch for the defense where they were able to adjust effectively? Well, um, I thought we uh, stopped substituting so much when they were going up tempo. And, um, and when we did that, it allowed our guys to get set up and be in position to be able to make plays. And um, what was happening, we were, we're substituting and guys aren't set and ready and what he's supposed to be. And uh, that's tough when you're playing an up-tempo team and, and they run RPO. So you got to at least be aligned to be able to get, execute the job. And uh, we didn't do a good job with that early and uh, made not necessarily made adjustments. We just stopped substituting as much as we were and it helped us. Coach, at the point where you guys were down 10 nothing, they had that fourth down, you got the stop. Brian Burns made that big sack, and you guys went down and scored and seemed to really seemed to flip the switch. How big was that turnaround from that sack that Burns got for you? I was big, you know, and like I told Burns after that, he started that you know, to be able to get that sack, and I thought that's just what our team needed was for somebody to make a play for us. And I mean, both offense and defense had a slow start. And, we needed somebody to make a play, and Burns did, and got us going a little bit. And, and then for us to come out offense and execute, I think it all started with, with Burns' play, and just it seemed like kind of woke us up. And just play ball. Cam looked like the old Cam a little bit tonight. I think it's been coming. Uh, how much of that is him, and how much of that is the offensive line? Uh, uh, it's both, but I think it's a lot more on, on, on Cam. Uh, Cam had a great week of practice. Uh, hadn't seen Cam practice the way he did this past week in a long time. And we told him um, last night, it's going to pay off, you know. And you saw a couple runs in the Miami game where he was kind of getting back to himself and, and not rushing things and, uh, and running physical. And, and he, did, he did that tonight. But I think it all started in practice. He had the right mindset. Um, he was up there all week, you know. Um, and he said he was going to get better. And he started by making himself better. Coach DeAndre looked comfortable back there tonight, didn't take a sack. What did you like about the combination up front that you guys put out there? Um, I mean, we got the ball out quick at times. Um, a couple times he got he got hit. Um, um, DeAndre's a tough kid, you know, and uh, I don't think I could have done it. You see those guys come running at me and just stand there and make the throw. And, um, and he got a couple. He got hit a couple times, but it was after he threw the football. But um, I thought for the most part we, we did a pretty good job up front, and um, he did a good job of executing the plays, whether it was throwing the ball down the field or getting it out to his receivers when he needed to. Coach, in the last few weeks, something that you've kind of preached is patience as something that's important for the running backs and something that you hadn't seen leading up to this game. On that long run by Cam, was that kind of what you were talking about? Yeah, um, because we saw it earlier in the year against Virginia Tech, too, but um, he can get those a lot. You know, um, I think early in the year, he's just pressing. I mean, nothing was going well for us, and he wanted to help his football team, and um, he was trying to do more. And now he's kind of settled down, and and just got back to being Cam and, and not trying to do too much. Just do what he's, he's coached to do and trust his training. And uh, like I say, the way he practiced last week, we all knew he was going to have a good game. You know, it was it was totally different. And, um, and it paid off. Those are the comments of Coach Willie Taggart. And again, courtesy of Seminoles.com. Your place to go for all your Seminole sports. Check out the latest from Tim Linnefelt uh, and company. The wrap-up of the homecoming victory. 
A lot of things that we'll talk about in this game. Uh, defensively, another very solid performance. This is a pretty good defense. Now, that's not the greatest Wake offense we've seen. It's a freshman quarterback, but the defensive line's really playing well. And you can't say that it was consistent because it certainly wasn't, but, man, it's been a while since we saw a touchdown run like what Cam Akers had. Two plays, that was a double whammy because you come out of the locker room, you want to do something good. It takes two plays to go 75 yards, and they're both on the ground. Yeah, Wake uh, kicks the ball out of the end zone. You start at the 25. The 17-yard run probably was a more uh, aesthetically pleasing run because on the 58-yard touchdown run, that hole opened up and he was in the secondary by the time he got to the linebackers. So uh, more effort uh, into the 17, but certainly paid dirt in the 58. But bottom line is two plays, 75 yards, touchdown with less than a minute into the third quarter. We'll devote an entire segment to offense and defense as we always do. Keith, big picture, most people expected Florida State to win. I don't know that people expected Florida State to win as easily as what it turned into. I will say this, Wake Forest was missing its most dynamic player in Greg Dorch. He played a little bit, had a couple of catches. Normally he's their punt returner, kick returner, and he gets 12 touches on offense. He hurt his ankle against Clemson, even with the bye week. Clearly he wasn't 100%. Now, FSU is still going to win that game. They're just out personnel and out man Wake Forest, but it would have made Wake's offense a little more dynamic. I'm hopeful that this game, Tommy, is something, and, and this is above the shoulders, but this is a Florida State team that knows it's talented. This is a Florida State team that is learning, particularly on the offensive side, what to do, although they're nowhere near where they want to be. Defensively, they've continued to improve. They've proved themselves, particularly on the on the defensive line, as you chronicled. But Going, knowing that you could do it and, and knowing that you've seen glimpses of it can't be replaced from the fact that you actually went out and did it. And until you actually go out and do it, it doesn't resonate, particularly with youngsters. And I think this game will go a long way towards showing Florida State on both sides of the ball that the things they've been working on will work. If they will believe in the coaching staff, if they'll believe in each other, then they can have some success. But only when you have some success does it breed additional success. And obviously you're going to need it next week when you go up against Clemson. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that from the shoulders up, this game proves to be pretty pretty uh, uh, important uh, when you look at the 2018 season as a whole. There have been a lot of changes in the banking landscape lately. One local bank just sold after 100 years. Others are closing or consolidating branches. But there is one local bank you can count on. That's Prime Meridian Bank. Prime Meridian Bank on the web at trymybank.com. Florida State gets a homecoming win. We are wrapping it up. Would you like to go offense or defense first in our next segment, Mr. Jeff? Let's go offense first, and then we'll go defense. How about that? Sounds like a plan. We will hear, by the way, from Cam Akers, who has been missing in action, as has the running game for much of this year. But he had a nice game, 98 yards, just shy of 100. But really, his touchdown sort of sealed the the game. I think at that point, early in the third quarter, we knew it was done. We'll hear from Cam and talk offense when we roll on on Front Row Knowles. First look. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Tom and Keith back with you on Front Row Knowles. First look, this comes your way each and every uh, Sunday morning and then re-airs on Monday evenings. Our regular show is Wednesdays at 6. Invite you to tune in and give it a try if you've not done so already. Keith, offensively, uh, you know, the way the game started, I thought, here we go again, three and out, three and out. Looked out of sync. It looked arduous is the word I used to somebody on the sideline, which 
bigger picture might be the, the way to describe the, the way it's looked this season. It just has been a process and hasn't looked fluid. But then FSU got humming. That they did. Uh, and I think a lot of that, again, goes back to they had some time in the off week. They practiced Monday, Tuesday, and ended up practicing Saturday when they wanted to practice on Wednesday. But those three days were developed uh, and, and focused on fundamentals. And getting back in and saying, all right, here's how we get the ball set. Here's how we get set. Here's how the signal comes in. Here's how quickly we want to try to operate. I think they got back to doing some of that fundamentally when they didn't have to game plan and when they didn't have to worry about actually performing uh, you know, on TV, as it were. And I think that helped them along. And I think once they got some success, as I t- was talking about in the last segment, success brings, breeds success, and, and they got a little better at it. Uh, they ran the ball relatively well. They stuck with the running game. Uh, I know overall you won't be happy with the fact that uh, you went, um, I think they averaged about 4.5, maybe 4.6 yards per carry. Uh, Cam was up a little over seven individually, but uh, they were able to stay with the running game and not have to abandon it and go strictly through the air. And that also has a lot to do with having a lead and playing with some little bit of ball control and that type of thing. So I think you'll look at the offensive performance, uh, particularly when you focus in on the passing side and say that they made a step forward, sticking with the running game and having success in the running game. They're going to have to continue to give the running game at bats. It, it's not going to be a, a work of art at any point this year. And to be fair, when it was 10 nothing, the way that Florida State got the offense going was they threw the ball and then set up the run, which is just the way it's going to be this year. I think so. That's not the way that Coach Taggart, I think, wants to do it once he's quote-unquote finished the install. But that may be half the way you have to do it in 2018 to, to, to keep managing the season. Cam Akers winds up with 13 carries for – 98 yards, uh, seven and a half yard average. It was those two plays to start the third quarter that really finished it. And he looked, he looked good. You know, it's been a process for Cam. I, I will give him credit. I've only talked to Cam a few times, but he was incredibly highly touted coming out of high school. Uh, he's a guy who could be frustrated and let that show, uh, but he hasn't done so. He's been a team guy, uh, which is to his credit. He's been a remarkable team guy, Tommy, particularly for the fact that he was a freshman last year when all of the adversity was going on. I mean, he's not a redshirt sophomore. He's a true sophomore this year, and all the hype, uh, all the things that were talked about, the things I'm sure he's read, even though coaches tell him don't believe what you read, uh, in his mind he was touted as being, if not the, at least one of the, along with Dylan, uh, you know, the premier running backs in, in the ACC, and it's not gone that way through six games through the year, now in the seventh. But this particular game he continued to show some patience, He's, he showed a great deal of maturity for his age, uh, and he got rewarded with a couple of nice plays and uh, was able to do that in a time when it was very, very important. I talked to Cam after the game about his performance and just the season in general. Let's take a listen now. This is Florida State's uh, starting tailback, Cam Akers. Cam, it, it, it felt like uh, you know you guys had, had gotten momentum back, and then it's always so important to start the second half well. Two plays, you get a touchdown, a 17-yarder and a 58-yarder. What opened up for you? Because it's been tough sledding this year. Uh, just really um, going and breaking down the film. Coach has been on me um, all year about um, going and breaking down film, uh, being more patient, and just uh, trusting myself. So I think uh, this game I just wanted to come out and uh, trust, do, do exactly that, come out, trust myself, uh, be patient, and just make um, do what I do, make play. When you say trust yourself, has it been where you, you know, bumps and bruises? Is it just learning the new offense combination of things? Bumps and bruises. Uh, I had a little ankle situation earlier, uh, and I just kind of really got over that on the bye week. Uh, and also just things within just myself, just uh, learning the offense more and getting more comfortable with it. But I think now, um, like you see, everything rolling now. 
One thing that uh, I have seen, uh, despite the ups and downs of this season and getting used to the new coaching staff, the new offense, seems like this team is pretty united. I mean, four and three is not where anybody wants to be, but I don't see finger pointing. I see a team that seems pretty united. Uh, we know why we four and three. I think that's why, um, that's why you don't see a lot of finger pointing and a lot of people down because uh, we know uh, we're not supposed to be four and three easily. Uh, just uh, a lot of a lot of mistakes early on in the year that uh, that we fixed that we fixed. Uh, throughout the year, so I think um, there's no reason to be down. Uh, you got a new coaching staff, a new scheme, so uh, no reason to be down. Just learn from your mistakes and keep rolling. You're going to see this in film. You may already know, but you got over the 100-yard mark, and yeah. James Blackman got flagged there, and he cheated you. I mean, did you tell him? <laughs> nah, man, I can't be mad at him. Uh, I can't be mad at my QB for trying to help me uh, help me get the 100 yards, so... Uh, you know, I, I appreciate him for um, just giving the effort uh, just to even go block, to try to go block at the QB position, you know, just the effort. Uh, that showed me he wanted me he wanted me to have that um, that extra yard. So uh, I appreciate him a lot for that. Finished with 98 yards. Final question for you, Cam. Next week's Clemson. I know you guys will be focused all week. Nationally, people aren't going to give Florida State a chance. So tell me, uh, you know, just, just your mindset as you get ready for the Tigers. Uh, you know, that's how we like it. Uh, we like to be um, come in underdogs, and uh, we just gonna come out and play our game. You know, um, like you said, it's a big rivalry game, but it's the next game, so we just gonna prepare for it like any other, and come out and play to, our, to the best of our ability. We'll see you next week. Congratulations on a good effort and a team win today. Thank you. Thank you. So Cam used an interesting word there. He said trust. And he was talking about he had to trust himself, he had to trust his body. Uh, and so I dug a little deeper, and, and he, uh, as, as you heard him say, he had an ankle issue that he's been battling, uh, which I had surmised was the case because I'd seen him get that thing wrapped a few times. But uh, I thought it was interesting for him to say that it didn't feel right until the bye week, which that is a good sign if that's, if that's a truthful statement that he feels good because he certainly, I know it was Wake Forest, but he looked like he ran with more conviction to me. That, that trust thing is really important, Tom. It's, it's, you know, you, we talk about the trust of the offensive line and them learning to work together, and we talk about the trust of a quarterback throwing to a receiver, and we sometimes think about that as, as, as a group of guys or one or two guys or three guys together. But you also have to trust your body. And, and Cam's one of those guys that uh, can run in traffic. Uh, I mean, he's not, a, he's not light. He's not fragile. He can run in traffic. He's not huge. He's not Patrick. But he can run in traffic. And when you don't trust that that ankle's going to hold and you've got all these bodies flying around you, whether you want to admit it or not, you're worried about somebody rolling up that ankle or falling in front of you and that type of thing, and you don't trust it. Well, now he feels better. He feels like the ankle is going to support him. He trusts it, and we saw the difference in his running style and his running attack uh, through 13 or 14 carries against Wake Forest. That's a big, big thing for a running back to be able to trust that what has been bothering them is now healthy. So Cam with a nice game, couple of touchdowns. Good to see a home run run that goes 58 yards. Offensive line, Keith, uh, again, I think this was a seventh combination in the seventh start, but it appeared, and this we, we may be done with changing combinations, and now there was an injury, but I think Brady's going to be all right. He came back and played. Overall, didn't give up a sack. I know it was Wake Forest, but it is what it is. Well, I think we are all resigned to the fact that the offensive line is going to be, if not the Achilles heel, no pun intended, uh, is at least going to be the, the, the lesser of the segments for the 2018 Florida State offense. We've just accepted that. The, the couple of things that jumped out at me is that particularly on Cam's touchdown run, that hole opened up 
And he was able to get to the linebacker level real quick. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. So we've seen it done. It's just not been done with consistency. And number two, although we haven't talked yet about the passing game, uh, Francois was hit a couple times, but he was not sacked. And and credit Francois, because there were a couple of times when he stood tall and got rid of the ball in time to not take the sack, and a couple of other times, as we've been talking about, you in particular, he moved up in the pocket. He didn't stay in the back end of the pocket. He moved up in the pocket and bought, uh, would bide himself another second, second and a half, and get the ball out. And uh, the receivers caught the ball. It was a shame that that long touchdown pass had to come back for the hold. That was an exceptional um, catch. Was that Terry that caught the ball? It was. Did, did Terry even have a catch in the game yesterday I, I, with that wiped out? I think he was without a catch. I think that was his only catch, and it got taken away because of the penalty. But it was a remarkable catch. And then you saw Francois find uh, Mooney, who was wide open on a couple of times. But Francois found him and got the ball to him. Threw for almost 350, uh, no sacks, which is back to your point about uh, can we see him some improvement in the offensive line play. I thought we did see him take a, a step forward. Certainly by no means are there world beaters, but uh, maybe they won't be the ones that get you beat. Nyquan had eight catches, 131 yards. Uh, the touchdown late in the second quarter was big with the blown coverage there. That sort of opened it up. I mean, that series, and Jimbo used to talk about this. He'd talk about certain certain uh, situational times that you wanted to play really well. Start of the game, end of a half, start of the third quarter, end of the game. Well, Florida State, end of the second quarter, start of the third quarter, very, I know Jimbo's gone, but every coach is going to take that. And it was, that was really when Wake got finished. Well, that's the whole reason why you, if you win the toss, you defer because you want the ball to start that second half. Because regardless of what happened in the first 30 minutes, you can go in at halftime, make adjustments, and set the tone for the next 30 minutes. And uh, the way Florida State planned it, uh, they actually executed it this time, and it worked out real well. Final thought, I look at Trayshawn Harrison's stat line, three catches for 24 yards, but that one touchdown, I mean, uh, we've seen every time, every game that he's played and had a touch, there's been a, a play that, that makes you go, wow. There, there's more than one, but he is one, but there's more than one of those Florida State receivers that may not have the gaudy numbers, but they are uh, absolutely able of, to make plays. Uh, and obviously the youngster is coming on. He's learning where to line up, what routes to run. That We forget sometimes that you know that's kind of a mandatory part of this process. This ain't high school no more. And uh, getting his confidence that he can do what he needs to do when he needs to do it and then actually executing when he's given the chance. The coaching staff now feels like they can give him those PT playing time and then he's got to take advantage of it and we saw him do that. Side note, we haven't talked about this. I did not notice this for some reason over the course of the year until pregame on Saturday. Uh, He's thick. He's, for some reason, when I just watching the moves from afar, I thought he was smaller than he was. But he's 6'2", 179, and when you look at him, he looks thicker than that, closer to 190 to me, and it's not bad. I mean, it looks good. Normally, you don't see a guy that's got that frame on him that's got that kind of wiggle. Well, once he gets through a year of conditioning uh, in the weight room, uh, it won't surprise me if you look at him next year. He is 190 or 195, and it will not affect that quickness or that speed in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, he's got a bright future ahead, no question. So Florida State offensively uh, does a nice job. The Knowles wind up with 485 yards of total offense on 70 plays. And DeAndre, a really nice game throwing the balls. We talked about 29 out of 40 for 353 with two touchdowns. Was not sacked, did not throw an interception. Defense was impressive. We'll talk about it when we continue on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Let's talk defense. It was not a pretty start, and Keith, uh, Florida State, 
saw Wake Forest on a 15-play drive. It really took the entire first quarter for FSU to figure it out. Uh, you pointed out they kind of settled in. But, you know, I, I was talking during the game. This this is what I noticed. Florida State had to stop substituting. The first the first couple of drives of the game, when it was third and long, Florida State was trying to run its nickel and dime packages in there. And Wake wasn't substituting, and Florida State wasn't anywhere near lined up. Well, one of the things that happens, and we've, we've talked about this, and, and I don't know why it takes – it being experienced, but you can substitute when the ball's between about the 40s, maybe the 35s. So you've got, what, 15 yards, 50, 60, uh, 40, 50 yards on either side of the 50 or, or however I'm saying that, because the, the amount of time it takes to run from point A to point B in a straight line. Once that ball, once the offense is backed up on the 15 or 20, or once they get into your red zone, it's too far to run because the, the players have to stay on the 35. And that makes it a, just a, a longer sprint. Plus, you got to get their attention. You got to get them going. You got to get the kids that are out there their attention to get them off. It just m- doesn't make as much physical sense to try to substitute. Obviously, also, and this is no knock on on Coach Barnett, like the players, until you've been out there and see that you know, dang, Wake Forest can run fifteen plays in three minutes, which is exactly what they did on that first drive. Until you've actually experienced it, you just can't feel it right. Uh, until you've been in in a, in a in a stadium where you can't hear yourself think, you you don't understand what white noise is really about, and and the lack of communication. They got their feet back under them. They they they, they survived the shot on that first drive, held them to the field goal, did give up the touchdown on the third possession. That's okay, but after that, for the next what fourteen or fifteen possessions, other than the last one that scored the touchdown, this was a very good offense. Excuse me, defensive effort for Florida State. You take away those. The, the the field goal scoring drive and the touchdown scoring drive, and Florida State holds Wake to about 220 yards of total offense. I'm just going to develop this a little bit further because Willie Taggart, uh, when he was asked by Gene and asked by the media, what change did you make? He basically said we stopped substituting and played our base defense. So the touchdown drive for Wake, it was third and long. They were at roughly the 20, and this goes to the point you're making about the distance. Florida State tried to change six guys. Without Wake Forest substituting, which is key because if the offense substitutes, the center judge stands over the ball and waits and and gives the defense a chance to substitute. Wake was keeping the same guys on the field. Florida State's trying to to change six guys, and on that third and long, nobody on the defensive line was even set. They snapped the ball. Wake had a first down. Now they don't sub again, and Florida State now has its dime package in against a first down run call for Wake Forest. So that play leads to a touchdown. So fast forward to the next drive. They're down around the, the 25 or so. Florida State doesn't substitute that time. They get them off the field. And then the next series, it was at midfield, and they did put their nickel package in because it's a short run, point A to point B. It, it seems silly to, to think about it that way, but it, it has to be. And obviously the reverse of that, that's one of the things that the hurry-up offense is intended to do, make it less easy for the defense to substitute, make it less easy for the defense to make calls and to keep them on their heels. That's what that offense is designed to do. And FSU kind of played into it, and finally the coaching staff said, we're not going to play that game that way. They kept their base in, and they proved to be a pretty effective defensive unit. One thing I did see that uh, has me excited about the future, Wake was snapping the ball early on with 32, 33 seconds on the clock. Florida State has not been that efficient with its offense. I mean, when they go fast, it's been 27, 28, but nothing like what we saw with Wake, who's the, the top tempo team in the country. When Coach Taggart gets his offense running like that, if he wants to snap it that quick, it's going to be scary. 
it is, and it'll make the defense that much better. Uh, but by the same token, much like uh, a group playing, you use Georgia Tech, and the reason we use them is because of the unconventional offense that Paul Johnson uses. You just can't believe it until you've actually done it. Well, once you've played against that, that type of uh, option attack, you can believe it. Now that you've played against the, the best team in the country in terms of running plays, and even though they lost by double digits, they still ran 104 plays in this ball game. Let's not forget that. They had 360, 370 yards because they ran that many plays. Um, Florida State's a little better equipped defensively to go up against the teams that try to do that now. Well, if you think about it, 104 plays for 369 yards, do the math on that, and that really tells you that Florida State defensively just completely shut down Wake Forest. Very much so, very much so. The defensive line, Keith, we saw it against Miami and uh, saw it again today. I know Wake is, is not uh, you know as talented as who Florida State's going to face certainly, the next, certainly this coming week and, and every week thereafter. But it's a good it's a good group. Now there has not been the star defensive end opposite Brian Burns. The tackles are really really good. Florida State played a man down yesterday because Fred Jones didn't play, so it was a four man tackle rotation. But Brian Burns is up there among the national leaders, and it's a, if you had the other stalwart defensive end. It might be up there with one of the top lines in the country. I agree. And the other thing they've started to do is they're they're beginning to be a little more effective when they blitz, when they bring a linebacker or when they bring a safety. And we saw a couple of times where uh, the, the blitzer was able to disrupt the Wake Forest passer and kind of force him into a sack. And uh, Florida State had not had a lot of success blitzing in the past. I think uh, the Wake Forest game uh, proved that they can do that as well. Talking about that defensive end opposite Brian Burns, one of them is uh, Janaris Robinson, and his name has been out there this week in light of the fact that he's from Panama City. His family lost his house. Uh, He played well the last two weeks, had six tackles against Miami, had five in the game on uh, Saturday, including a tackle for loss, and is going to get extended opportunity against Clemson because Kando is out with the targeting call for the first half. But he's a redshirt sophomore, and and, and he's starting to, to play better and get more consistent. When when coaches consistently refer to players by their nickname, and every time you talk to Harlan Barnett, every time you talk to Coach Taggart, they talk about J-Rob, J-Rob, J-Rob. Well, that means that the coaching staff believes in them. They just haven't performed yet. And we mentioned this prior. Sometimes you just got to get out there and make it happen. And now with a good game against Miami, having to detach and focus, although for a bad reason, on his mom and, and his house being gone, and then understanding how fragile that life is and how, how playing ball doesn't compare to life. But nevertheless, I only have 40 or 45 times to play ball in my four-year career. I don't, I don't need to be wasting any of those opportunities. Came back, had a great game against Wake Forest. It might be the jumping-off point uh, where we look back and say that's where J-Rob found his footing. And, and it's been light, lights out ever since. I talked with him after the game about both uh, what happened in Panama City and what's happening on the football field. Here's that uh, interview with Janaris Robinson. Let's start with the obvious before we talk about the game. It's It's been uh, more than a rough couple weeks, I'm sure, for you and your family. Uh, can, can you just explain the whirlwind of emotions that's gone through? For those who don't know, he and his family lost the house that you grew up in, in Panama City as a result of Hurricane Michael. Oh, it's been very devastating, you know, the last week and a half, uh, you know, not coming back to your house after you then uh, evacuated somewhere, you know, not knowing how big the storm was going to be, and then coming back to losing everything has been very devastating. 
what do you think listeners need to know about what's going on in Panama City right now and just the panhandle in general that they may not know of? Because it's just, unfortunately, it's sort of the way society works. Once the news cycle changes, uh, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind if you're not personally affected sometimes. Uh, the stuff that you see on the news, you know, the pictures and videos, it, it doesn't do it really any justice. You have to, like, you know, be there in person to actually see the things that have happened. Like, um, everything is pretty much, like, destroyed there from, from like I said, uh, churches to houses the you know, restaurants the you know, any, everything. So it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see somewhere you grew up all your life just destroyed, you know, within, like, a day or so from a hurricane, so. Well, we certainly wish you and your family and everybody there that's been affected by Hurricane Michael uh, the best. It's certainly much more important uh, than football as I bring it back to today's game. Tell me a little bit about what adjustments were made, or maybe it was just getting used to the tempo. But the first quarter, Wake Forest ran 41 plays. I think they had 15 on their first drive. Uh, you guys just couldn't quite get lined up against them. But then after that, you really shut them down the rest of the way. Oh, yeah, they came out, you know, with a, with a quick jump on us. And then we, uh, I think we held them to a field goal on a first drive or so. Then the second drive, we stopped them. But, um, it's, it, it was it was um you know hard because we we didn't practice against going a uh, fast pace like that you know but we made some adjustments and we got out there and we uh, adapted to that. You got a I think they officially credited a tackle for loss but I'm going to tell you when they grade the tape you need to get credit for a sack on that one at least a half sack. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, it looked like as soon as that happened you took a quick knee uh, just to reflect a moment. So walk us through that play. I just want to you know thank God because uh, he, he blessed me to be in this position you know to play college football at this uh, you know at a high level. So I just want to thank him for you know allowing me to, to have that sack on the field there or tackle for loss. Well, congrats. Well, we'll say sack. I'm giving you a sack. Congratulations on the win. We'll see you next week against Clemson. Thank you. Goes without saying, uh, just reiterating really what you've already commented on, Keith. Our, our thoughts uh, are with the entire panhandle, uh, not just the Robinson family, but uh, Panama City. Uh, a lot of places west of Tallahassee uh, hit very, very hard. Really, between Tallahassee and Pensacola, got hit pretty hard. Well, I, I've been fortunate enough, uh, having been up here since 77. Uh, both in school and, and, and working. I, I've spent time at Mexico Beach. I've been through Port St. Joe. Uh, Kathy and I are fortunate enough to have a little cottage on Cape San Blas that, that did suffer some, some re- rather significant damages, but our place is still standing. It, it can be repaired. It can be fixed, uh, as all material things can. Um, our hearts and, and, and prayers just go out to the folks that have been so drastically affected. Obviously, uh, J. Rob's family is one of them, but there are others. Uh, and, and, and besides and, and above and beyond that, you know, the faculty, staff, the students at Florida State. Um, there's just a lot of cleanup, a lot of things to be done. And, and I know how this community is, and I know how panhandle people are. We'll rise to meet the challenge. It won't be fun. It won't be easy. Uh, but it'll get done. It'll just take a little while. Yeah, and FSU has a campus in Panama City with students and faculty and staff there. And I don't know the numbers, but I imagine the great, a great deal of those students uh, that are at that campus are probably from Panama City as well. Um, all right, we'll, we'll get back to the football conversation and, and look ahead to Clemson when we continue on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Florida State gets a uh, victory 38-17 over Wake Forest. Man, it feels like it's been a while since we had a no-doubter where you could sit there in the third quarter and not be stressed about the outcome. Well, certainly in the Miami game, we were sitting there going, can we hold, can we hold, can we hold? How do we get here? How do we get here? Can we hold? Uh, Yeah, and obviously with Clemson coming up, uh, a good win. 
Uh, but you'll look at that. You'll uh, try to correct what few mistakes you did make. Uh, certainly, I don't think you take a lot away other than just the confidence uh, because you're going to have to play an entirely different game in facing the Tigers. Uh, but at the same time, it's much easier going into that Clemson game with a win than it would be uh, with a defeat. Uh, so we'll take that and move on and, and just get ready to play Clemson. We'll talk about the Tigers in a moment. I'm thinking what other loose ends do we need to tie up? Well, one thing we didn't talk about uh, in the defensive segment uh, and really, there's sort of, I would say, two plays of the game. I know you're going to do this here in a moment. But one of the big ones early on was when Florida State, I think it was 10-7, Gavin gets a 45- or 50-yard catch and fumbles it through the end zone, And which if one play could be a microcosm of the season this year for FSU, it's that play. But shortly thereafter, a ball gets deflected in the air. I think Asante Samuel deflected it, and there's Stanford Samuels. And that, that's one of the first times this year where it felt like there was an immediate response and the momentum went right back and FSU went in and took the lead and never looked back. Well, Wake uh, gets the ball because of the touchback. Uh, is first and 10 on the 20. I think that was the third down play, so that would be the third play after uh, Gavin's miscue. And you're exactly right. Gets the ball down, I believe, the 7, maybe the 8-yard line, whatever it was, and Florida State goes in and cashes quickly. Uh, but you're right. That's the first time that there's been a, a sudden change in which the defense came in and got a takeaway at least in, in recent memory. So that uh, that's really when the game started to swing. And then when uh, the, the nail went all the way in, uh, it was Cam Akers, which we've talked about. Well, I guess I gave it away, but I'll, I'll hand you the mic. Well, uh, simply to say that uh, two carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown uh, to open the third quarter. And it's time now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. And obviously that 58-yard touchdown run by Cam Akers is our, is our candidate for that uh, performance of the game. I was very proud of, of the offensive line. And that particular play, they opened that hole up, and Cam hit it so fast, uh, drifted a little bit to his left, had just enough to gut it out and get all the way in. And that was a huge play in Florida State's victory over Wake Forest. Prime Meridian Bank, they're my bank. And this year, they're all celebrating 10 years of serving Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and the surrounding area. Outstanding client service convenience tools like mobile and remote deposit, and one of the top-rated mortgage teams in Leon County. Not sure about your bank? Try Tallahassee's hometown bank, Prime Meridian Bank, on the web at trymybank.com. Just looking at the stat sheet as we clean up or tie up some loose ends, Keith, and uh, Florida State was two for two in the red zone again, and I keep meaning to look at this, but for as inconsistent as the offense has been, when they've gotten in the red zone, they've been pretty consistent uh, on their scoring chances, and that was two for two with two touchdowns. Well, which, which is the bigger point. And, again, I need to go back and look at the season stats. Didn't start out great, but, uh, again, given the sputtering nature of the offense, it hasn't really sputtered that much once inside the 20. And although it's, you wouldn't say that this has been a fantastic year for Aguayo, it's still been a good year, even though he started out one for four, because that 49- or 50-yard field goal that he made – uh, that was when that storm was coming in. You were down on the field. You commented uh, that ball barely got over the crossbar and was barely, barely inside the upright, but he made it. And it was going against that strong wind, and it was a very important three points at that time. Uh, there's going to come a time when he's going to have to perform when it's uh, you know two seconds left on the clock, and, and he might be 50 or more out uh, when it really, really matters. And uh, you need him to have the confidence and know that he can make those types of kicks. Logan Tyler, by the way, punted for a 44-yard average along a 52, one inside the 20, put one in the end zone for a touchback. But what's significant there is we sort of forgot in the two weeks from Miami that he was pretty hurt in the second half. I don't recall hearing much about that in in uh, the practice reports since then, 
but obviously he was fine. He was. He wasn't able to kick off because we saw Aguayo do that in the latter half of the Miami game after he did get injured. And isn't it amazing? We normally talk about punters getting injured when they get run into or when they get roughed. Uh, his his injuries was he's running down ball carriers. Now it was, it's bad that his coverage was such that the punter had to make the tackle. But you and I both made the comment on those two tackles he had. He was sticking his nose in there. It wasn't like he was grabbing and pulling down. He was delivering a shot. He's a pretty good little athlete, and uh, I know getting over that groin injury, uh, you know, he probably worked as hard in rehab as anybody would in a regular position. He got in there uh, on Wake's long punt return on Saturday again. He went low and basically cut down the return man. And then there was a penalty, so the ball got spotted back closer to midfield. But that was him right in the middle of that fray, too. So good to see Logan Tyler back. All right, so we turn the page. We've got Clemson at 12 noon. Nobody's happy about the 12 noon game, but it is what it is, Keith. I am. I I, I would have taken 3.30, personally. Let me tell you something. Players, players, and I don't care whether this is in the 70s or in 2018, players love noon ball games. Because there's nothing around. Even 3.30 games, you're still sitting around all morning. And goodness gracious, 7 or 8 o'clock at Saturday night games, you're sitting around all day. And you get to go out one more night. That's one more night you can get to go do something. And I'm not saying that Florida State uh, needs to be uh, getting motivated because they're they're going to beat Clemson and have a night out on the town. Uh, but players love noon ball games. Fans may not, but players do. So let's talk about that noon ball game. Nobody's going to give Florida State a chance in this. I mean, I'm just completely guessing. I'm, I don't. Uh, I don't wager. I don't even really look at point spreads. But I'm. I'm guessing that this will probably be Clemson by 12 or so. If I had to throw a number out there, maybe more than that. I think it a will be more than that. But number two, remember what has happened with this game, and it's been in the last five years, maybe plus or minus, maybe seven. But Tommy, this is now a rivalry game, so you can put this game at least for these kids. Maybe not for our fan base. You know, maybe not for us old guys that have been around and know about Miami and Florida. But for these kids, they were 7th and 8th graders when this Clemson-Florida State rivalry began. Now they're playing in it. To them, it's just as big as anything related to Miami or Florida. And remember the biggest thing about rivalry games, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You can throw out the records. You can throw out the uh, the, the the stats. Something can happen. You can have a, a turnover. You can have a big play in the, in the in the kicking game. I mean, these are games that aren't decided by what the resume is. These are games that are decided by sixty minutes on the field. And in that regard, the fact that Florida State and Clemson are now rivals in this particular year favors Florida State because even though they may be favored, they Clemson favored by 14 or 16 or whatever it is, you can throw all that crap out. Anything in the world can happen. Now, am I telling you that Florida State will whip Clemson? Not a clue, and I'm certainly not betting money on it. But I feel much better after the Miami game and performance, though it was a loss, continued improvement against Wake Forest and some consistency. And the fact that now these kids consider Clemson just as big a rival as us old guys considered Miami and Florida, I just like the way the thing is looking out, uh, shaping up. I think it will be a pretty good ball game. You only have to look back to the Miami game to make the point valid about rivalry games and what happens. Nobody in the Florida State fan base thought FSU was going to play well in Miami. We were all bracing for a beatdown, and it, in fact, it's a game Florida State should have won. Look at the Clemson rivalry recently. In 2015, Florida State played with Sean McGuire, was right in the football game. 2016, the same year that FSU gave up 1,000 points on the road at Louisville, a couple games later they come back, and if not for that uh, controversial chop block call or whatever it was on Freddie Stevenson, FSU 
probably probably wins that football game. And then last year, they were within a score in the fourth quarter uh, at Clemson. So the point I'm making is there's always a chance. If you line up, you know, there's going to be Clemson on one side of the field and FSU on the other. There's always a shot. There, there is. And again, you've got, you know, you played well against Miami despite the loss. You had a good bye week. You played well against Wake Forest. You've got a little bit of momentum going. You're at home. Uh, I'll tell you another thing that will make a difference. There were only 67,000 people in the stands against Wake Forest. Uh, there'll be 78, 79, whatever the capacity is now. Uh, it'll be a full stadium on Saturday uh, when the Tigers come to town. Also, because they travel well, uh, they'll bring enough of their own, and that's great. So the atmosphere will be much improved. Uh, it, it shapes up to be a good ball game. Now, what I hope doesn't happen, and Clemson is capable of this, they're, they're every bit as explosive uh, offensively now as Alabama is. Because now what people are saying is Alabama now has the same offensive explosiveness that Clemson's had the last couple of years and that uh, Oklahoma has had and Ohio State have had. Well, Clemson can be explosive. And, and Atien, uh, it, it, in my opinion, has a chance to be as every, every, everybody's first-round All-American first-round pick if he's healthy and runs well. Uh, and they could end up getting going fast, and, and Florida State could end up getting embarrassed. That's my fear. I don't think that will happen, but that's always in the back of your mind. The other obvious matchup that is going to point to Clemson is Clemson's defensive front against Florida State's offensive line. Four first-round projected NFL picks starting against this offensive line for FSU. But you can scheme some of that. There are some things you can do to negate a defensive front. See, what happens is when you have a strong offensive line, you lean on that, and you run the ball more, and you pound the ball more. But when you know the opponent has a strong defensive line, you can scheme around that. You do the bubble screens. You do the quick hitters. You go no back and 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 get the ball out of there in one and a half, two seconds on slants and outs and those times. I mean, you can work around that. Now, what that probably means is that Florida State is going to struggle mightily running the ball. And if I'm putting together the game plan, I think the game plan is we got to throw first against Clemson, hopefully have some success, and maybe that'll open up some of the running lanes. But at the same token, you can scheme around that front four or five or six or seven. Won't be easy. But I like the fact that, uh, you know, if we're going to have a weak part, if, if the opponent's going to have a strong part, I'd rather them have a strong part on the defensive line. I'd rather them not be strong in the linebackers in the secondary because that makes for a real long game because you can't throw the ball. If they're strong up front, we can take some shots down the field and maybe get it out of there quick enough to, to, to get lucky and, and turn some things around. I like that, that matchup. I'm not telling you Florida State's going to win the ball game, and I'm not going to tell you they're not going to get, get killed in the running game, but I like the way that matches up. We have another show on Wednesday, and we can discuss this in much greater detail. Until then, thanks so much for joining us. Subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes if you haven't already. He's Keith. I'm Tom, and we will talk to you Wednesday night at 6 on Front Row Knowles.